It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your fundraising success and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. His books range from successful online fundraising to use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. And now, here's Ted. Hey, good afternoon. This is Ted Hart. I'm the nonprofit coach, and I'm coming to you live from the nation's capital where it is an absolutely beautiful uh, early summer day here in the nation's capital. As always, you can call in and ask a question of our page two expert by dialing 347-324-3080, and we've got a great show for you today. Our page two expert is Todd Cohen, editor and publisher of Philanthropy Journal. You can find that online at philanthropyjournal.org, and you can tweet uh, at philjournal. Uh, so uh, make sure that you call in. You can also email me at tedhart at tedhart.com, uh, or we are live in the chat room if you want to join us over in the chat room at tedhartradio.com. As always, uh, we have all of our radio links uh, lined up for you right there at tedhartradio.com. Uh, today is a very special show because it is our last show before the summer break. Uh, so just like a lot of folks, we will be taking off July and August and coming back uh, with a very full schedule with Beth Cantor as our very special page two expert when we come back from the summer break on September 14th. Today is June 29th. We're here in the nation's capital, and as always, we start with page one and the news. here on the news, I've got a very interesting story, just always scanning what's happening online and news about what's big online, Uh, and if you didn't catch it, over at the Next Web social media, you can find a really nice story about the very first Pulitzer Prize, which has been awarded for online news. Uh, So never before has an online media source uh, received a Pulitzer Prize, and ProPublica is the very very first to have that distinguished honor. So read all about that in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Next up here uh, on the Nonprofit Coach and Page One News, I had the pleasure of speaking yesterday in New York City at the 2010 National Conference on Service and Volunteering. Really an honor to speak about the content from my new book, Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. We had a great audience there, really a lot of energy at this conference in New York City. And today in the radio links for the Nonprofit Coach, we have 10 ways to be a social media rock star uh, at the National Conference on Service for Volunteering. Well, of course, we share this with you because you may want to uh, be uh, uh, connected with those who are up in New York City, even if you can't be joining them uh, there. But this is also 
10 great ways to promote and to be a social media rock star for any event. So if you're planning a big conference or planning a big event, make sure that you go to this radio link uh, and get a chance to see all the various ways that you can connect people and provide them information on promotion uh, for your event. Now, next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, of course, we take it always as uh, one of our jobs and great privileges uh, to bring you fun and interesting ways that you can use the Internet. Uh, and one of the really interesting services uh, or uh, uh, services, uh, yes, that are uh, provided out there uh, are, is an annual awards program for nonprofit taglines. And these are the nonprofit tagline awards. Uh, and these are put uh, together each year uh, by our next guest up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach. Very pleased to uh, bring on to page one here Nancy Swartz, who is with Helping Nonprofits Succeed through effective networking. You can find her at gettingattention.org. And, uh, Nancy, you here with us? Uh, I am. Can you hear me? I can, Nancy. You're live here on the Nonprofit Coach, taking a lot of interest in the 2010 awards, which have just opened up. Uh, so tell us all about it. What is the reason behind the Nonprofit Tagline Awards, uh, and how can someone enter? Fantastic, Ted. Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. It's a real treat to be here. And I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to share the word about the tagline. That This is the third annual Nonprofit Tagline Awards program with your listeners today. This is what happened, Ted. So I, I consult with uh, many different kinds of no, nonprofit organizations as well as grant makers, and I blog and write an e-newsletter about nonprofit marketing, um, all of which you can find out more about at gettingattention.org. What I was noticing, Ted, was that um, there was a real gap in terms of powerful taglines for nonprofit organizations. And through some surveying I did um, a couple of years ago, I saw that messaging was something that non most nonprofits find especially challenging. So I invented the award programs to close that gap, focusing on the tagline because an organization's tagline is really hands down the briefest, easiest, and most effective way to communicate an organization's brand. It's in a way the, the haiku of branding, the heart of your organization's brand. And it's really Nancy, as I, as I always say, until you have a place to hang your hat, you don't really have a program, and that really is the taglines. You call these the taggies, and I was wondering if you might share with us uh, maybe some of the, the good, the bad, and what were they thinking of, uh, of prior taggies. <laughs> I definitely would love to. One of my favorites, Ted, is one of the award winners in last year's uh, program in the jobs and workforce development category, which is nothing stops a bullet like a job. This comes from an organization out in L.A. called Homeboys uh, Industries. And what they do is basically stop gangs in their tracks. What's so great about that tagline is it has that strong emotional effect. You can visualize what's going on there, and it makes you really realize the importance of a job for folks in at-risk neighborhoods like that. It stops you in your the real to a tagline really working, just as the example that you just gave us, is we feel like we know a lot about that organization without even knowing the organization. As soon as you say nothing uh, stops a bullet like a job, well, I can fill in the blanks, and I don't even have to know uh, the organization. What about sort of a miss? What, what, what's one that sounded like uh, or they, they thought it was a good one but did not win? Here's one, Ted, that, you know, that has no added value. We're more than you think. This comes from a women's health care provider to be named, un, left unnamed. It's an absolutely generic tagline, and it's not even, doesn't even have the value of touting their own service, the value of their services. That doesn't tell me anything about, well, what are the unexpected services that you provide that we have no idea that you provide, and, and why do I care about them? So that's a real miss. 
Yeah, I agree. It doesn't really bring any value, and almost any organization could say that. You can't fill in the blanks just by hearing that uh, that tagline. Well, those are great examples. Now, how does a, a charity that's been working hard on their tagline uh, submit their their uh, uh, their tagline to possibly uh, win one of the 2010 taggies? How does this work? Deadlines? Where do they go? Okay. Well, just go to gettingattention.org. You'll see the, the graphic right there on the home page. Just click to enter. This year, Ted, we have four categories organizations can enter their taglines in. Of course, the organizational tagline, as well as one they may have for a special event, a particular program or service, and or a fundraising campaign. Deadline is July 28th, so get your taglines in. We'd love to hear from you. Well, that's terrific. As you heard uh, at the top of the show, we're going to be on summer break uh, when the deadline is 28th. When uh, will the awards be given out? Uh, We have a panel of judges this year, Ted, who will be selecting finalists for public vote in September with winners announced in October. So I'll be sure to let you know. Well, please do. We hope that uh, we'll get you back here on the Nonprofit Coach and you can share with us the winners so that uh, our listeners can be some of the first to hear the very best of the taglines of 2010. Nancy Schwartz of Getting Attention, thank you so much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach and letting us all know about the great work that you're doing to draw attention to those very important taglines that tell the story about so many nonprofit organizations. Thanks for joining us, Nancy. Thank you, Ted. Goodbye. Back here on uh, page one. Uh, Don't forget that our page two expert today is Todd Cohen. He'll be live here on the Nonprofit Coach in just a few moments. Make sure that you call in if you have a question uh, about uh, the Philanthropy Journal or he's an expert in fundraising and networking. So make sure that you call in today at 347-324-3080. Back up here on the news over on the Chronicle of Philanthropy, uh, we've got over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, creative ways for charities to use Twitter. Uh, Gail Hyman, who is a fundraising consultant, um, has been interviewed and is sharing really some terrific uh, tips about e-Jewish philanthropy. Well, it's not just all about being Jewish and using Twitter, uh, but they're really creative ideas uh, that can be used uh, for lots of charities. So read all about that uh, over in the radio links. Next up here comes to us from Volunteer Spot. Uh, They've submitted this to us, and I really think it's terrific because, as you know, here on the Nonprofit Coach, we're interested in social media, fundraising, online and offline, but we're also keenly interested about the environment. And with this link, you'll find five simple tips to inspire earth-friendly volunteering uh, with your kids. And so we want to draw your attention to this. Great tips. Let's get the kids involved. We're here on summer break. Let's make sure that the kids make good use of their time. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach and the Radio Links, you will find today uh, a really terrific article from All. Facebook.com, and what they're sharing with us today is a case study on how one organization uh, was able to get 40,310 Facebook fans in just four days. How did they do it? What were some of the steps that they took? Read all about it. I'm not going to guarantee you're going to get 40,000 in just four days, but certainly uh, you can improve the number of people that are accessing you and finding information on Facebook if you learn from some of these tips. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, here on the news, I want to draw your attention to a new offering that is actually being promoted and launched and was just launched, uh, co-sponsored at a summit with CNN in New York during Internet Week. And actor Ed Norton uh, is part of the launch team uh, for CrowdRise.com. Let's uh, let uh, Ed tell us all about it. You know, CrowdRise is this, project I've been working on for you know about the last uh, nine months. It's, um, it, it came out of the fact that I was involved with a lot of causes and organizations um, involved in fundraising and things like that. And I, I started realizing with some friends of mine that, that, that there ought to be better, there ought to be easier and 
and more effective tools for people to do personal fundraising, like to support the things that they care about. I, I was always pretty blown away just looking at people who I thought used th their own public platform really effectively. Like if you look at like Paul Newman, he starts this like line of pro food products, and he's now donated 250 million dollars to charity and, and climbing. You know what I mean? And I think that's just like that. That's just incredible to me. I mean, Let's bring him out. Will Ferrell's raising money on the site for one of his organizations, and it's about cancer, but if you donate, you get a bottle of Will Ferrell's suntan lotion with pictures of him naked on it, and it's, it's genius. And then, um, you know, and then uh, Seth Rogen just signed up on it to, to do something for Alzheimer's, and, you know, uh, and he sort of, I, I ran into him, and he sort of said, if, if I can set something up in 10 minutes and it works, then anybody can do it. Well, Ed Norton certainly has uh, brought attention to CrowdRise.com. I think it's worth checking out. And there are a lot of new services that are being uh, launched, and I want to draw your attention over in the radio links to two services uh, that, uh, 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 that are now being launched and that you can uh, reach out to. And these are two Silicon Valley uh, websites. One is Philanthropedia, uh, and the other one is AllThis.com. You'll find both of these in the radio links, and uh, particularly, uh, I'm going to suggest that you take a look at allthis.com, uh, and the reason for that is, is that they're offering a $500 match, so there's money on the table for you. Start a team, raise $500, and they're going to double it. Uh, so there's a reason to go and take a look at allthis.com. Now, Philanthropedia is kind of interesting. Check it out. They're claiming that they have over 300 experts that are going to help guide giving uh, through the social media site. So take a look at it. We'll see where these go. I, you know, I think it's a little bit of a jury's out uh, in these early announcements, but I think it's important for all of us, and certainly here on The Nonprofit Coach, we take it as part of our responsibility to draw your attention to these new offerings. Now, before we get uh, on to page two, I do want to draw your attention uh, to a recent announcement by Blackbaud to some very important and much-needed enhancements uh, to uh, what they claim to be the most popular online fundraising solutions, and that is Blackbaud Sphere, which came to Blackbaud through the merger with Kintera, uh, and enhancements to Blackbaud Net Communities. Certainly, these services are extremely important. And Steve McLaughlin, who is a co-editor of my new book, uh, Internet Management for Nonprofits, is an expert in these areas. They have over 4,500 customers who are using their Internet solutions, and so these offerings from BlackBot are important to not only be aware of but to track over time. So bravo to BlackBot for continuing to uh, enhance their services and draw attention to the important offerings of the web. So uh, next, next up here, we've got our page two expert. Uh, don't forget that today it is Todd Cohen. Uh, so we're going to move right on to page two. Over here on the Nonprofit Coach, page two, our guest expert today is Todd Cohen. He's the editor and publisher of Philanthropy Journal, uh, which is headquartered in North Carolina. You can find them online uh, at philanthropyjournal.org. And here live on the Nonprofit Coach is Todd Cohen. Todd, you here with us? Yes. Can you hear me, Ted? Hey, Todd, I can hear you loud and clear. Great to have you here on the Nonprofit well, Coach. Now, I want to learn all about Philanthropy Journal. You folks have quite a platform there. Uh, give us some of the, the, uh, the, the genesis of why Philanthropy Journal exists. There's lots of online ways to get information. But here on the Nonprofit Coach, we are on a regular basis uh, sharing information from Philanthropy Journal. What makes you special? Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Ted, for letting me share this time with you. It's really a pleasure to, to be part of, the, part of what you're doing. Um, the Philanthropy Journal is, a, is an online-only publication. It is a program of the Institute for Nonprofits at North Carolina State University. 
the philanthropy journal actually grew out of something that I started uh, in 1991 when I was the business editor of the uh, News and Observer, the daily newspaper here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I started a weekly column writing about nonprofits and philanthropy. Um, that column grew into a print newspaper that covered uh, nonprofits throughout North Carolina. It was called the Philanthropy Journal of North Carolina. It was published by the News, initially, by the News and Observer Foundation, um, and it was published through the 1990s. Uh, in, in 1999, the Philanthropy Journal became part of a foundation here in Raleigh called the uh, A.J. Fletcher Foundation, and it was published as an online publication uh, for the past 10 years. In January, the Philanthropy Journal became part of the Institute for Nonprofits at North Carolina State University, which is really a wonderful uh, a combination of important resources for nonprofits. The Institute for Nonprofits is, is a it, it's it's fairly recent. It, it it was really begun by the uh, by startup funding and and really the idea for it uh, from the A.J. Fletcher Foundation, the same foundation where the the Philanthropy Journal lived for the past 10 years. It is, uh, the North Carolina State University is one of the great land-grant universities in the United States. It has a, these universities were created in the late 1800s to serve their entire states through grants of land from the federal government. And one of their key missions, and, and, and one of the key missions at North Carolina State University is to serve the ent entire state. Uh, in, in North Carolina, there are 100 counties. We have some very affluent uh, urban areas, but we also have deep poverty throughout the state, both in the rural areas and in the, in the uh, urban areas. And so part of the function of the, of the Institute is to reach out to nonprofits throughout our state uh, to provide the resources of the university to serve uh, nonprofits. But it's also, uh, the, the Institute is also among a growing trend within the, the academic world. There are now hundreds of university colleges and universities throughout the United States that have uh, concentrations or, or even actual degree programs, in, both at the graduate and the undergraduate level, uh, that, that, that teach and help students learn and provide a, a, an opportunity for faculty to do research, practical research about nonprofits and the world of philanthropy. And so what we do at the, as part of the Institute is to, well, it's a number of things. It's really an interdisciplinary center that focuses on building the leadership and capacity of nonprofits, a really important issue these days as, as anyone who works at a nonprofit or is involved with a nonprofit knows. It also engages faculty and students and staff in better understanding nonprofits and working with them through service learning, through research, through consulting. Um, it's a center, the, the institute is a center that brings faculty from different disciplines and different institutions together to study, look at, better understand, and serve nonprofits. Um, and it's really a center of research. So part of, part of what the journal does as part of this organization is to report on the nonprofit sector, to provide how-to resources for nonprofits, and to, uh, to help uh, people better understand, work in, and support the nonprofit world. We, part of our job is also to hold nonprofits and the world of philanthropy accountable. Well, you, so you've got so many different aspects, and so focusing on the Philanthropy Journal itself, it's part of this institute, um, and you, you do such a great job, and one of the reasons why we, we do use you as an important news resource here on the Nonprofit Coach is you not only cover North Carolina nonprofit uh, news, but you also are, seem to be very good at covering what's happening nationally. Um, how do you do that? Do you, do you have a big staff? Do you have a how is it that you're identifying uh, sort of the key focus uh, in a way that few organizations, uh, more than maybe the Chronicle of Philanthropy, really, uh, can really compete with you? Well, well, number one, thank you for those nice words. Um, I, let me just begin by saying what was the impetus for that column that I started almost 20 years ago and for creating the Philanthropy Journal and continuing it in the first place with the support initially of the News and Observer Foundation and then the A.J. Fletcher Foundation and now as part of North Carolina State University. What I saw as a, as a lifelong news reporter and editor was that the news media, media generally, the mainstream media, 
does not cover the world of philanthropy or the nonprofit sector. And yet philanthropy and nonprofits are absolutely critical, essential, indispensable to, to the functioning of our society. Um, they're basically, the, this is the sector that does the work without which our communities would not be what they are. They're kind of, they, they provide immediate services, they address the symptoms of problems, they address the underlying causes of problems, and um, they're, in many ways, they're the sort of the research and development arm of civic society. So I started a column in the, in the daily newspaper here in Raleigh, North Carolina, writing about this sector, which was getting no attention. Um, our job, we have readers that are throughout, mo most of our readers are actually outside North Carolina. I mean, we, we, we serve a lot of nonprofits and have a lot of readers in North Carolina, but we have a national audience. We do this, I might add, with a tiny staff. We just have to work hard and try to be selective in what we report on. But what we really try to do is nationally give, the non, give, a, give an, a general idea of what the important trends and issues and challenges are in the nonprofit sector, particularly in the area of leadership and management, and those are broad areas. And we try to, we try to let people know what's going on, uh, what, the, what, what, what are some of the, 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 the interesting and effective strategies that nonprofits are using to do a better job and better serve their, their communities and address both the social and the global issues that we face? And also, what are the big trends in everything from management and fundraising to, um, to giving and, uh, and other issues, use of communication and social media and that sort of thing, the very thing that Nancy was talking about a little while ago. Absolutely. Now, one of the big disconnects that I see, and I wonder if this is this is one of the the areas that draws you to providing this kind of information, is really a a big disconnect in a knowledge of how nonprofits even work, uh, and I think that that that's a big part of why there's not as much coverage. In other words, if you raise a lot of money, that might get covered. If you have sort of a crazy event, that might get covered. Uh, but most people really do not understand how nonprofits work, and the central uh, feature that you just mentioned in terms of how our society really works better because we have strong, uh, uh, strong nonprofit organizations. What I continuously hear from people is that, first of all, nobody should ever be paid. It should all be volunteer. Yet we want state-of-the-art and absolutely unimpeachable accounting and management of all the programs. Um, it shouldn't cost any money to offer the programs, and 100% of whatever I give should go to the people who are being benefited, but yet we want you know, big, strong organizations. How do we get past that? Is it, because it seems that when we just report what we're doing, we're not helping ourselves in a knowledge base uh, for those that we're seeking support from. Or does it matter? Um, that, is, that is an absolutely perfect question. I mean, it's a really great question, uh, and I will try to address it. It's, you've asked a very complicated question. Um, one other point I might mention, you mentioned uh, typically nonprofits and philanthropy get in the news when, when something big happens, when a big gift is made or something unusual. The, the, on, the only other piece I'll mention, and I'm sure it was an oversight on your part, is when there's a scandal because the media loves to go right. after that. And that, that also tends to, in many ways, tar and feather or stain the nonprofit sector overall when, there's, when there is a, a scandal reported. Um, the, the, not, the nonprofit sector is an absolutely critical and indispensable and fundamental part of our society. Nonprofits represent about 5% of our national economy, gross domestic product. They represent about 10% of the workforce. Over $300 billion a year is given to charity every year, and that's only what, you, what can actually be measured and accounted for. Giving is far greater than that. Every individual who gives at their church or their mosque or their synagogue or their school is giving, and a lot of that is not measured at all. Um, most of the giving in the country is from three-fourths of the uh, – I should say three-fourths of the giving in the country are from individuals. And those are living individuals. If you count people who leave money through their wills and give money uh, through their family foundations, it's probably closer to 88% of the giving in the country. And yet, for all of the good work they do, nonprofits are really below the radar of most people. And the challenges and the needs that they face and the impact that they have is really really doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, maybe part of the problem is the way the nonprofit sector is positioned. It's known as something that it's not. 
it's a negative term, nonprofit. The fact is the whole nonprofit sector and the whole philanthropic sector are, are something very positive. I would call it the giving sector. What, what it really is, it's giving power. And yet today, given the economy we have, given the constant, continuous, and escalating change that we have in the way society works in information technology, in world finance, in, in, in global problems, both man-made and natural. Uh, and many of the, what seem to be natural problems are also the product of what, what, what people do. It, it, all of that is so complicated. Nonprofits are there sort of at the very center of trying to address both the symptoms and causes of that problem. And yet they are organizations. They are, most nonprofits are really small. They're underpaid, they're overworked, they're underappreciated. In many ways, they're treated as if they're kind of the almshouse, the, the, the poorhouse of, of civil society, of civic society. They're expected to do a lot, um, and, and yet, as you say, the, the increasing demand on the part of individual funders, on the part of foundations, on the part of corporations, is that they do everything perfectly, that they, they count for themselves. In this town economy, there there are so many needs and so many charities that are either going out of business or, or are stressed. I want to remind our uh, listeners today that they can call in and ask a question of our page two expert, Todd Cohen, editor and philanth uh, publisher of Philanthropy Journal, uh, and you can call in at three four seven. 324 uh, and uh, uh, Todd, we do have a caller. Uh, caller, are, you're on the line here with a nonprofit coach. Uh, go ahead, caller. Hi, um, this is Diane from Washington State. Um, this news is great on Philanthropy Journal, but is there a way your publication can help me raise money for the charities I care about? Um, thank you for your question, and thanks for calling in. Um, what the, what the Philanthropy Journal does is to write about um, the nonprofit sector. So uh, there's a lot of stories there about trends in fundraising, for example, because that, that's, that's your particular interest. And there are a lot of, story, a lot of sort of how-to um, articles in our website. If you just go to the resources section, there are many, many, many articles that either we write or experts write, or uh, sort of question and answer features with experts about many different aspects of fundraising and communication and marketing, which are, are directly related to fundraising. We also um, offer webinars uh, every month. They're easy to find on our site. You just look for PJ events at the, at the, at the, at the top of the website. Um, we have webinars on many different topics that have to do with fundraising, and, um, and giving and management and leadership and marketing and communications. Um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the really, in many ways, your question about fundraising goes to the heart of really what, of Ted's last question. Uh, and that's something we write a lot about, not just trends and how-to articles, but we really try to explore all of the factors that are, in, that are involved with what's happening in the economy right now in the crisis. And just sort of to try to answer both of your questions, including Ted's, this is maybe the, this is an unprecedented time for nonprofits. They're, it's an unsettling time in the economy. There's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. There are, there's a lot of expectation and demand for improving the way nonprofits operate and do business. And there's a lot of talk about the need for innovation, which, meant, which often is, is treated as if you need sort of some magic, new, glitzy solution to, to to operating more effectively and efficiently and having greater impact, when in, many people refer to it as the new normal. When in fact, and we write a lot about this, what's really needed in the nonprofit sector is to go back to the basics and for organizations to do, to figure out how to do all the things that organizations need to do to survive, not to come up with some glitzy new um, innovative way of doing things. The most innovative way of doing things would be to essentially learn the fundamentals and practice the fundamentals of solid management and leadership and creating organizations that learn from themselves and engage all of the various partners that they have, their boards, their staff, their volunteers, their funders, their constituents, their clients, um, how to improve their service and their communications and their engagement and their fundraising. That's really the, 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 the key 
underlying challenge right now for the entire nonprofit sector. And the Philanthropy Journal and the Institute of which we're a part are trying to do everything we can to better serve nonprofits here in North Carolina and nationally. Yeah, and, and those of us who have been, you know, you've been around a long time, Todd. I mean, we've we, we've heard this drumbeat, and it seems like every uh, few years, you know, someone in the business sector or someone will, you know, suddenly wake up and say, oh, you know what, we should reinvent to nonprofits. They should uh, be more like for-profits. They should, you know, and, and so there's there's this initiative to say, well, let's kind of put everything on hold and let's fix uh, nonprofits, and one of the things that, that I share uh, is that, that uh, certainly charities should always be well managed. They should be efficient in what they do. But there is a very basic nature of why they're nonprofit. If someone could make a profit at what they were doing, they would do it. They would go out and make make a profit. But because we we are um, in many cases charities that that aren't talking about or looking or are near the social safety net. We are the social safety net for a lot of people. There is no place else to go, or for uh, people who are you know looking for education and and other services. We are where they go. So I, I think the point that you're making is that there's very little uh, that looks at what is really offered and provided by the nonprofit sector and how ingrained it is uh, in the in, uh, in American life, uh, we look at what it's not. Right, a- absolutely. And the fact is, uh, nonprofits need to, in many ways, own who they are and promote and celebrate exactly who they are and the, and the role they play, the, the, the role they play in their communities, the role they play in the economy, and, and, and the impact that they have. And, if, and I come out of a background of communication. I've been a reporter or a news reporter or editor most of my life. And I think it is abs- communication and communication by nonprofits about what they do, using every means that they have to reach people, using the most effective way of reaching their people. In some ways it's through social media. In some ways it's through a personal visit. In some ways it's through email or, or a letter or a phone call. But nonprofits really need to communicate exactly who they are so their communities, the communi- communities that depend on those nonprofits and the work they do, understand what these organ- how important these organi- organizations are and get involved with them and support them. I mean, that's a, that's a real challenge for nonprofits to do that. I think it really is. I think you, you, you've hit a very important point here. I think that one of the, the, the biggest things that's missing in the nonprofit sector right now is our own self-awareness of what our impact is. I can't tell you how many clients that I start working with and I get their boards of directors together with their staff and I actually start by asking, what is your budget? How much have you raised? Where did the money go? Very, what you would consider to be very simple questions that you would expect a staff and board uh, to know. And there's very little knowledge. And, and so when you start looking at what is the impact beyond their borders, one of the questions that I always ask when I'm doing a training with, with clients uh, is I, I call it my, my famous so what question. Uh, and I'll just fill in the blank. Your organization, so what? If you had to close your doors tomorrow, you're out of money and you suddenly had to close your doors, who would care? Would there be any crocodile tears? What is your network? What are the, the lives that you touch? How connected are you to your community? And I think that when charities get in touch with that answer, then they really can be much more successful. questions. You should be a reporter. In fact, you should be a reporter for the Philanthropy <laughs> Journal because those are precisely the questions, the basic questions that we ask when we're writing stories. I mean, who are you? What do you do? How do you work? What are your problems? What, what, what is it that you're trying to do to improve? And what difference do you make? Why should people care about what you do? I mean, it's really, really important. And I, I think in some ways there's, there's a lot of navel-gazing in the philanthropic world, but, but, but rather than gazing at, 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 their, at, at our navels, what nonprofits really need to do is just sort of figure out how to, how to, how to operate better. And that doesn't mean losing their nonprofit mission. I mean, learning how to operate in a business-like way is not a bad thing. I mean, businesses need to survive. Nonprofits, most of them, are small businesses. But they also have a social mission. And what they really need to understand is how to to sort of put the two together, how to have an impact, 
how to sustain themselves financially and be successful organizations while being true to their mission. And many nonprofits, especially in this time of very tight resources and a very troubled economy, many nonprofits sort of chase money that seems to be available, even though what, the, what comes with that money divert the, what they have to do, the programs they have to, to, to provide to get that money diverts them from their mission. I mean, it's really tough these days to sort of try to stick to your mission and figure out what it, was, what it is. It's really important. There was a, there's a fascinating um, uh, uh, report uh, that's, that was published this uh, week. Uh, in fact, um, I think um, Edward Norton just mentioned it in the clip you had from him about uh, um, Paul Newman's, uh, a group that Paul Newman helped start, which is the Committee Encouraging Corporate Philanthropy. It's a study, and you can read about it at the Philanthropy Journal. We just had a story on it this week. It's, a, it, it, it's right on our main page uh, uh, right now, today, is, is about the whole social role that corporations play and the way they can align what their business is with with social needs, social problems, global problems that, that if they continue, are going to hurt the business. So it is sort of in the, in the enlightened self-interest of corporations to really intentionally define and focus their, their corporate giving and their philanthropy and the volunteerism of the employees that they encourage with the kinds of issues that are going to be that need to be addressed so that their businesses will be better. So in that way, um, from the business side, corporations are aligning their business with a social mission in the same way nonprofits right. need to align their social mission with the way they operate their businesses. There's, there's a and lot Todd, of things there. And Todd, that Sorry. comes right back to the same question that I ask time and time again, and that is, so what? Because a lot of nonprofits look to these corporations and they say, well, they've got lots of money, I need money, therefore give me money. And they're not filling in the blank that you're just, that you're just mentioning right now is, that so what, why would I care? Yes, you're a good cause, but guess what? There's tons of great causes. What is it in the interest of that corporation? As you, as you said, a lot of the social ills that we have, from, from unemployment to, to uh, education to uh, homelessness uh, to hunger, all those things, if those persist, they hurt our economy, they hurt our society, and therefore they hurt corporations. So there is a, a, an enlightened self-interest to corporations in building a stronger society, but it's not just writing a check because you need the money. And that's, I think, a big disconnect from the, the corporate side that a lot of charities have. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a cliche, of course, but we're all in the same boat. Or another way of putting it is that the, the chain is only as strong as the weakest link, and we all need to focus on what that weak link is, and it, 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 it may be different. I mean, what's it, another way of – when I speak of weak links, it's more like social problems like poverty. But in many ways, within our society – Nonprofits are not only so important, but they are very fragile, and they're at risk right now. It's a weak link in the sense that we cannot afford for for the nonprofit sector to 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 to, to founder because it is so absolutely critical. Uh, in the early 1800s, the French writer Alexis de Tocqueville came to America and and traveled around and wrote about what he saw in this in this new a burgeoning democracy. And one of the things he found uh, was what really, in his view, set this society apart from, from most other societies and, and, and cultures and, and, and nations in the world was that we had a nonprofit sector. He referred to them as associations, but he was essentially talking about nonprofits. And in America, it's essentially in our DNA. It, 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 for uh, for Americans, wherever they came from, however they got here, whenever they got here, whether it was yesterday or 100 years ago or 200 years ago, in our DNA is the fact that when there are problems, we don't ask or expect, although many people do, we, we, we typically do not expect uh, or demand that government or business take care of these problems. We try to take care of them ourselves by associating with one another on a voluntary basis, in the form of nonprofit organizations and philanthropic contributions and volunteering to address these problems. That is who we are. That's how we deal with problems large and small. In, small, in every small community, 
or, or nationally. We would not function the way we do were it not for volunteerism and giving in all its forms, whether a person is wealthy or, or not wealthy, um, and, and, um, and, and the formation and the support of nonprofits. That is who we are, and our entire future depends on that. So we're all in the same, we're, we're all in the boat together, and if there are any weak links, we have to address and find ways to work together. Now that's really easy to say, and it sounds very idealistic, but the, but the, the day in, day out, there are organizations out there that are trying to address problems no one else is trying to address, and they're doing it as nonprofits with few resources, not a whole lot of recognition or support, and demands beyond, currently beyond the ability of many of those organizations to, to, um, to meet because they simply don't have the resources. So the real challenge is to communicate that. That's what the Philanthropy Journal tries to do, to, to communicate um, what those issues are, what those challenges are, what the impact of the sector is, and how important it is for people to get involved and invest in strengthening these organizations, these non this entire nonprofit sector, so it can better address the serious problems that we face so that we can have a brighter future and a, and a sort of a better world. That's what, it, It's very simple. It's all about making the world yeah, better. Yeah, I agree. Todd, uh, we do have an email question from Cassie uh, in Dallas, and it's going back to uh, something that you said earlier about your, uh, your webinars and the, the resources beyond the news uh, that's offered on your website. Can you talk more about that? I'm, I'm guessing those are available nationally. Uh, and uh, when I see on, uh, I'm just going to your website myself and, and uh, to draw attention to, to Cassie's question here, uh, the next webinar I think is July 13th. So how does all that work? Are there fees attached to that? How, what kind of topics do you cover? How does all that work? Um, uh, thank you for the question, Cassie. It's a very, um, it's a very good one. Uh, if you go to the website is at philanthropyjournal.org. Uh, our publication, our online publication, is free. It's available to anyone. Uh, it has news. It has news, uh, uh, national news about trends, big trends within philanthropy. Has a lot of resources, uh, which are how-to articles about issues that include fundraising and giving management and leadership, uh, communications, and marketing. Uh, our webinars, which we have every month, and they are, uh, they are for a modest fee, and I am ashamed to say, I, I have to look on the website myself. It's, a, it's about $20, but you can easily find them. They, they, I'm, I'm on your site right now, and I gather that's where, uh, where Cassie went as well, uh, and it says $20 for a Flansby Journal member. So I'm going to ask you, what does it mean to become a member? How much does it cost to become a member? And then it's $30 for a non-member. Thank you for doing my um, marketing for me. I am ashamed to say that I couldn't have answered that question myself. But it's, it's very, um, it is very um, simple. Uh, again, if you go to the website, um, there's, a, there's a navigation bar that sort of says what the main sections are. And then there's kind of a red bar where you can find PJ events to sign up for. Those are webinars. And within the state of North Carolina, we also do workshops throughout the state, which address the same sort of topics. Um, you can subscribe to our free email newsletter. We have one that goes out every week and another one that goes out every other week. Uh, the, the weekly one is, has news in it. The biweekly are uh, sort of jobs, because we have uh, jobs that nonprofits are advertising that they're trying to fill, as well as those how-to resources articles. You can become a PJ member, and you can also sort of click on the page that shows you how to do that, um, and you get special sorts of things in addition to all of the free resources. So we have um, quarterly, quarterly reports that go out that sort of summarize trends that we've reported on in the past quarter. We'll sort of have an annual uh, webinar, in effect, in which um, I, as the editor and publisher of the Philanthropy Journal, talk to our members about some of the issues that we've been seeing and some of the trends and some of the insights that we've had in, in terms of our reporting and the work that we've done with, uh, with nonprofits and uh, the philanthropic sector. And there are various levels of membership. Uh, we are a free publication, um, but we also, like every nonprofit, uh, need to sustain ourselves financially. We do that, we, we have, people can make contributions to our organization and we get grants from foundations. Um, we have um, earned 
income that we get from revenue from advertising and sponsorships and we have a membership program that's a way of supporting us for the work that we do to help us to, to continue to better serve nonprofits and try to make a difference so I welcome anyone who would like to become a member um, and it's there's a section in the website that's, that spells all that out and you can get to it by looking at the top of the website I mean Basically, our job, our, our mission as a nonprofit and as a part of the institute is to better serve nonprofits and to better and to help people better understand and support and work in the nonprofit sector by writing about it. It's, it's really important, and sadly, the, the mainstream media pays very little attention to it. Exactly, and one of the things I, uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach we want to draw attention to for all of our listeners is to go to flansbyjournal.org. Uh, At the very least, make sure that you register uh, for the free email newsletters, uh, which are absolutely terrific, and so many others that carry news like this do charge uh, for that kind of news. So definitely get the free newsletter uh, uh, subscription. We do encourage you to consider becoming uh, a member, and I see on, uh, on your website, Todd, that that can be done for as little as uh, $50 uh, per member, uh, but I did want to draw attention for anyone who is interested in the next webinar, and I see that Gail Perry, uh, who is a friend of this show and, and uh, a colleague of ours, is uh, going to be doing your next webinar, which is on July 13th. Uh, you can dial 800-853-0801. Again, that's 800-853-0801 for more information, and I'm sure that whoever answers that phone can help you with registration, or you can do that right online at philanthropyjournal.org. Todd, you've created a, a fantastic resource, one that uh, we certainly uh, utilize on a regular basis here on The Nonprofit Coach, and one that uh, in my career since founding the eFilanthropy Foundation back in 2000, and in each of the uh, uh, the books that, uh, that that I've written with Wiley, we uh, now have uh, published seven books with John Wiley uh, and Sons that we have uh, continuously gone back to the Philanthropy Journal, uh, both for research and some of the articles, the, the resources that are available on your website are really terrific, but also scanning uh, the most up-to-date news. So it is really a fantastic resource uh, that you've created, uh, both for the charities in North Carolina, uh, but also uh, nationally. So uh, I'm mindful of our time. I've had a, a great time uh, chatting with you uh, today. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity um, to uh, give us sort of a, a parting review of Philanthropy Journal. You've come a long way. You've got a lot of information uh, on your site. Uh, what comes next for Philanthropy Journal? What's, uh, you, you've got a strong partnership with the Institute for Nonprofits. What, where's the, the next generation? Uh, what comes next for Philanthropy Journal? I mean, it's really a matter. We've been at the we've been at the Institute for Nonprofits at North Carolina State University now for just six months. We started at the very beginning of um, of 2010, and what comes next for us is really um, becoming more of a part of the university, better serving students and faculty, um, and through the extension offices of the university throughout the state, better serving uh, nonprofits in in all hundred counties. I mean, there are probably a million and a half nonprofits in America, and there are um, at least 25,000 right here in North Carolina. And again, most of them are small, so it's sort of a, a way of, of better serving nonprofits in our state and nationally. Um, we have, the, through, through our webinars, we reach a broad audience. Um, our institute director, Mary Churhart, is a national figure in, uh, in, in, in scholarship and leadership within the nonprofit sector, and she is part of uh, national networks of her peers at universities and, and colleges throughout the United States and abroad. And so we, we're just trying to do everything we can to better serve nonprofits and make, make the resources of, of, of a big university available to them, connect with them, and help them do what it is they do best. I mean, the, 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 main, the main function or a, a key function of the Institute and the Journal are to build the capacity and leadership of nonprofits. That is, the, that is the absolutely critical job right now for nonprofits to, to, be, to be stronger organizations and to be leaders both within their organizations and within their communities and, in, and for the causes that they care about. And if we can do that, if we can build stronger nonprofits, um, we will be closer to having a better world. I also wanted to just mention a couple of things. You can follow the Philanthropy Journal um, on Facebook, 
and you can also follow um, my blog or follow me, I guess, on Twitter at Phil Journal. And, and we've, uh, we've tweeted on that, and we've also shared that with all of our contacts on, uh, on Facebook as well. And, of course, one of the, the values that you bring to the kind of information that you provide uh, is the audience that you've built in. And uh, I could be wrong here, but you have over 40,000 subscribers to your newsletter? Um, it may not be quite that high, but um, we, have a, we have a broad readership uh, nationally and in North Carolina and also internationally. I saw in a, in a press release or something, so I could be uh, wrong about that, but certainly it is undeniable no, it, it, that the information... It, it, you're close. You're I, close. I, I just don't have it right in front of me right now. No, that's all right. Well, but the information that you provide is absolutely uh, indispensable uh, to anyone who cares about nonprofit organizations. We certainly appreciate your partnership here. And uh, as we get uh, ready to uh, wrap up the show and to get on to uh, summer, I want to wish you, Todd, and everyone uh, at the Philanthropy Journal uh, a really wonderful summer, a relaxing summer. And uh, we know that you'll be uh, back here with us in the fall when the nonprofit coach comes back online uh, September 14th. So, Todd, thank you uh, very much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach today. Well, thank you, Ted, and thank you again for letting me share this time with you, and thank you for all of the good you do getting the word out about nonprofits. It's really important, and the more we can be talking about these issues and raising them and empowering nonprofits and also drawing attention to the, to the, broader, to the broader population about the work of nonprofits, the better we'll all be. Well, it's a mission we both uh, share, uh, and uh, certainly we're uh, very happy to use the platform here of uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, to uh, fulfill that mission. Uh, also, our newsletter at p2pfundraising.org, and you'll find a link uh, to that at tedhartradio.com. All the radio links from page one today, uh, including uh, today we will be adding a link for the Philanthropy Journal uh, for signing up for this free newsletter, uh, and we encourage all of our listeners to sign up and to follow Philanthropy Journal both in their newsletter and on Twitter. Todd, thanks again for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you, Ted. You take care. Out. Take care. Uh, and now on to page three. Well, typically here on page three for the Nonprofit Coach, we talk about where is Ted? Well, because this is our last show uh, before the, uh, the summer, there's a lot of places uh, that I will be uh, between now and September 14th when the Nonprofit Coach comes back live here on the radio. Uh, between now and then... The rest of this week, I will be uh, with clients and uh, lecturing in London. Uh, you can find information always at p2pfundraising.org. I will also be keeping everyone apprised of all of the efforts and in information that we are able to bring together uh, for nonprofit organizations around the world by following me on Twitter at Ted Hart. So this week I'll be in London. I will be coming back to the United States and then heading back to the UK on uh, July 10th, uh, where I will be uh, in Manchester and lecturing with action planning in both Leeds and Birmingham. Uh, very exciting uh, this summer for the nonprofit coach and for people-to-people uh, -people fundraising as our very first round-the-world nonprofit lecture series. Uh, we will be starting on uh, August 1st, leaving the United States. The first stop will be in Auckland, uh, and uh, we'll be working with the Fundraising Institute of New Zealand, and I'll be giving a lecture uh, in Auckland on August 4th. Then moving on to Sydney, working with our very good friends at Pareto Fundraising. Uh, we'll be there on August 5th, uh, providing a training for charities in Australia. Moving on from there, we will then uh, be moving on to New Delhi, uh, and I'm very excited about the opportunity uh, to uh, be at a very important fundraising congress uh, that's be going to be taking place in India. That's going to be hosted in Agra, India. Uh, and the good folks there uh, will be hosting us starting on August 
7th, and you can learn all about uh, that information uh, right online uh, by checking out and Googling the 21st South Asian International Fundraising Workshop. We'll then be going on uh, to Budapest and another training uh, in London on August 13th. So all this information will be provided to you in the P2P Fundraising Newsletter and via Twitter, so make sure that you follow us there. The last set of trainings that uh, we'll be providing uh, is we'll be in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, providing a training August 13th and then going on to South Africa. So make sure you put it on your calendar and you join us right here on the Nonprofit Coach coming back on September 14th. Thanks for joining us and have a great summer. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.